Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning to you. Good. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. And Chris Woodward. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> As, that was very NPRish. I like that. Chris yes. is afraid that Joe Biden is listening. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't get it. What's what's the uh, speaking softly? You mean Joe Biden may not be listening, but his minions are. Yes, minions. And we're not talking about those cute little yellow <laughs> cartoon yeah. characters. No. We're talking about what that word used to mean. <laughs> That's right. Minion used to. You'd have uh, images of. Demons from the pit of hell when you said minions. You know, you And so you've just introduced today's program. Yes. <laughs> Send your feedback to comments at yeah. It yeah. used to be Joseph Stalin and his minions. <laughs> now it's uh cartoon characters. So anyway, that's how words change. Folks, we've got a lot of things to talk about today. And it's just gonna be us three, right? It's just we three. We do have Brent Creeley, our producer, yes. who is doing an excellent job. I have kept him busy. Yes. He's been busy. He's been busy yeah, for a change, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you keep forgetting he controls your I know. voice. <laughs> <laughs> he just eliminated my microphone. All right. Don't mess with Brent. Especially when he get, gets up on the wrong side of the bed, as he said he did this morning. So, anyway, folks, you have to give us a little time to, uh, to you know, banter back and forth. We, we like we like each other here. Yes. We just want to let you know we yeah. we have a good time together, and so sometimes mm -hmm. we get together and we we do cut up a little bit, even though things are sometimes grim around our nation. I, I will say this, okay, uh, it, it, it is. A lot of things we're going to be talking about, a lot of things, folks, for you to get outraged about and to be disappointed in, and sometimes we get anxious. But you know what? We're not living, you know, a thousand years ago with, uh, you know, the Huns, more than a thousand years ago, with the Huns approaching exactly. from the east yes. and sacking villages and carrying mm. off your family and killing mm. the husband. I mean, we don't have to worry about Vikings invading, okay? So... We're, we've gone through a couple of years of this COVID stuff. It's not the Black Death. No. We're not losing 40% of uh, our country, too. So as tough as it may be, and there are a lot of people struggling economically, let me just encourage you, this is not the worst time in human history to be alive. No. And it's a pretty good country still. Oh, absolutely. So, and all just the people on the back pew said amen. Amen. That's yes. right. So, and, the, and the fight right now is to keep it a great country. Yes. Good, good point. That's where we are. Yeah. To keep it a great country. Yeah. All right. So, Chris, get us started, brother. What's going on? Well, uh, a lot of people are talking about President Joe Biden's remarks yesterday in Georgia. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris went to Georgia uh, to do a number of things. And uh, really, the whole reason they went there was to push for this um, federal effort by the Democrats to basically upturn the apple cart when it comes to election laws and uh, completely ignore or do away with state-led efforts to make sure they have voter integrity. Georgia is one of those states that really got the ball rolling where they wanted to uh, make sure that you had proof of ID to show that you are who you say you are. 
Uh, they changed some of the hours to allow people to vote um, more off, well, earlier, longer, things like that. Joe Biden and other people claim that this is all part of an effort to suppress vote, to deny people of color and other Georgians uh, the right to vote. And so that's why they went there. And let's just begin here. I've got a lot of clips that we can play today at our disposal. But let's begin with this one because it's Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris criticizing Georgia's election law. Clip one. The Georgia Republican Party, the state legislature, has now given itself the power to make it easier for partisan actors, their cronies, to remove local election officials. Think about that. Today, we call on Congress to get done what history will judge. Pass the Freedom to Vote Act. Pass it now, but to prevent voter suppression. So here in Georgia, there's full access to voting by mail. I have met with voters in Georgia. I have heard your outrage about the anti-voter law here and how many voters will likely be kept from voting. And Georgia is not alone. Now, just to build off that Freedom to Vote Act, um, a lot of groups, uh, politically active organizations, including Heritage Action, have put out uh, press releases or talking points, uh, bullet points, I should say, on uh, the Freedom to Vote Act. That's the bill that Senator Chuck Schumer has put out there. It's S-2747. Among other things, Heritage Action says it would publicly fund political campaigns by allowing states to opt into federal financing of house races, meaning you pay for them. Uh, it undermines state voter ID laws, mandates same-day registration, requires ballots cast outside the voter's precinct to be counted, creates unaccountable redistricting committees, unconstitutionally requires states to restore the ability of felons to vote, and requires political nonprofits to disclose donors, which is a huge area of concern. And you might think, well, thank goodness we have this filibuster that's been in place forever because this thing will never see the light of the day. But that's where things get really interesting because President Joe Biden, despite being a long supporter of the uh, Senate filibuster, is actually now in favor of getting rid of that filibuster in order to get this bill passed. That is clip two. We must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them. Vote. Let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. Okay, let, let's. Uh, th these are two. Listen, two issues. So mm -hmm. let's uh, let's start with the first one here, and that is the uh, quote unquote Freedom to Vote Act, mm -hmm. as you pointed out, Senate uh, Bill twenty seven forty seven. Fred, I got to say, I, I and this I'm just being honest here. I don't think I'm just coming at this from a conservative perspective and ignoring what the other side is saying about voting. I, I, I do not understand the arguments that are being made against Georgia's laws and the push for things like voter ID. I know, th I know what they're saying. It, it, it seems to me that they are either, well, they're implying that minorities aren't smart enough to find a way to get a, an ID. Yeah. Now I, I, I Far be it for me to tell black people, for example, whether or not they should be offended. They can decide for themselves. Everyone can. But what it what does it say about the the perspective of the Democratic Party 
that the fact that we are required to show a, an ID to prove that for me to prove that I am who I say I am so I can vote and not take somebody else's vote away, uh, why in the world is that oppressive? Why is that snatching away from minorities the right to vote? I, I'm, I honestly don't understand their argument. Well, uh, I think there's a couple of things here. You're going to hear terms like voter suppression, uh, you're going to hear things like, and I think uh, the president yesterday in his speech uh, said uh, Jim Crow uh, zero two or 2.0, 2.0, all of those sorts of things. So yesterday he went loaded for bear down to Georgia uh, to play the race card. Right. That's what it was. That's what it was all about. Here's what happened. In 2020, there were provisions made in many locations because of the pandemic. Right. People could not, either they could not or they did not want to go out in public. They were scared. Yes. They were scared if they went out, they would catch the very uh, powerful version of COVID. I'll, right. I'll put it that way, as opposed to where we are now. So uh, a lot of states uh, said, okay, we'll send out absentee ballots to everybody. So you don't have to worry. You can check off your boxes at home and send it in. Right. Uh, so voter ID laws were kind of expelled for the moment uh, because people couldn't necessarily prove on those absentee ballots you were who you were or right. who you are. So there was all of those sorts of things. So the Democrats win in 2020. And I think there was something there that said, you know what, this worked for us. This really worked for us because we didn't have to prove that somebody who said they were somebody, they were actually that individual. And we had all these absentee ballots that went out. We're talking hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots that go out. And one of the concerns was that somebody could take one and start duplicating it like crazy and start filling it out and go to cemeteries and put names in, and no one would know the difference. And just toss them into one of these collection bins. Right. One of these collection bins. That's that's it exactly. So the Democrats' reasoning is if we can argue to the American public that any attempt to go back to where we were before 2020 is racist, it's voter suppression. And that was the theme of Joe Biden's speech yesterday. And in order to get this passed, and we can go through the ingredients of, of what's in this Freedom to Vote Act, in order to get that passed, they have to get rid of the Senate of filibuster rule, which says in order to bring a legislation forward, you have to have 60 votes. There's a split in the Senate right now, 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans. So they would need 10 Republicans to vote with them. No Republicans support this, all right? right. Period. The problem for Joe Biden is that he has at least one Democrat, probably two, uh, the one Democrat being Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who announced yesterday, and I think we have a four-second clip if we wanted to play, mm -hmm. he is not going to vote to get rid of the filibuster. He is a believer. He's kind of your old-fashioned liberal. He says it would be better to have a consensus before we have rule changes. Right. Uh, it would be better to sit down with our Republican colleagues and discuss this. Because here's the reality. You know, when Republicans were in control, there were some Republicans that would like to get rid of the filibuster too. Uh, but you know what? When the Republicans were in control and you had the Democrats, over 300, was it 325 times 
the Democrats evoked the filibuster rule. Right. <laughs> They're going to use it. But now they want to get rid of it. And so that's that's what this fight's all about. But their tactic is to try to convince the American people that if you don't see things my way, says Joe Biden, you're probably a racist. And he keeps saying, you're probably a threat to democracy if you disagree with me. Right. And let, let me and, and let me uh, throw in a couple of things here. First, I do want to kind of loop back just briefly and say to our listeners, we folks, we are not saying that there is substantial, this is, I'll speak for myself. I have not seen substantial proof of voter fraud in the 2020 election. I know that uh, there's a lot of people going crazy right now who are listening. Yes, yes, there is. You just don't know where to look. Okay. I'm open to it. I'm just saying uh, there probably was some fraud. I don't, I don't know. Let me put it that way. If it was enough to flip the election. But on the issue of voter ID, and again, we'll, we'll move on uh, on this topic from there. On the subject of voter ID, I would feel, I would think that anyone who feels we need to have uh, election integrity, that we would all say you have to be able to identify yourself if you're going to vote so that it's one person, one vote. We got to know who's voting and whether they're allowed to vote. Yes. If they're for, if they're if they've moved out of state, they can't it's not legal for them to fill out an absentee ballot. Yes. Okay, in in many states. Um also now circling back to the issue of the filibuster, we had Senator Roger Wicker in our offices, I don't know, a couple of years Repu- ago. Was Republican. Republican. Mm-hmm. Republican from Mississippi, one of our Mississippi yes. senators, the other one is Cindy Hyde Smith. Uh, and, and I remember us because I personally don't like the filibuster, at least as it's currently exercised, where you just simply announce, okay, filibuster, let's go get lunch. Hmm. I think it should cost you something and you have to stand up and speak, you know, endlessly, endlessly. (laughs) I said that yesterday, Mm -hmm. but Senator Wicker was in and he, he, I remember him telling us, I was sitting right across from him. He said, I support the filibuster, uh, and most of my colleagues, Republican colleagues do as well. And one day you'll thank me mm-hmm. for us keeping the filibuster. Yes. Okay. Now I disagreed with the Senator at the time, but now that I look at all the craziness yes. that the Democrats want to pass mm-hmm. with Kamala Harris pitching the tie breaking vote. Yeah. I got to say a tip of the hat to Senator Wicker because, uh, it, it is saving us from, destructive bills that the Democrats intend intend to pass, including just trillions of dollars in spending, making Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. states. These, yes. these, these progressive whack jobs would change this country dramatically well before the 2022 election. And everything you just outlined is the reason why we're thankful for the filibuster today. It was brought in at a time when... There were Democrats and Republicans who were, they had differences of opinions on how to approach problems, but they were reasonable. Right. They were reasonable. They weren't trying to drive the country into the ground financially. Right. There was financial responsibility. I think, too, that this country has changed dramatically spiritually. I I think amongst Democrats and Republicans at that time, there was kind of a shared belief on a value system. You could get bipartisan bills passed. Yes, it, it happened. And so 
the requirement for a 60 vote didn't seem unreasonable in those days because there is more of a shared value system. I would say more of a Christian worldview in this country that crossed political lines. But we're not there today. Yeah. What what these, you know, to go back to what Chris was talking about a moment ago, kind of an outline of this Freedom to Vote Act, publicly funds political campaigns. Who's going to decide how much money is going to be available? There's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was listening last night to uh, Tony Perkins' program, and they had a special guest on that's been looking at all of this. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden, I think even in his address yesterday, talked about uh, this bill will get rid of dark money. <laughs> I, I, it was over $130 million that Joe Biden received in the 2020 election that we don't know where it came from. Right. $130 million. So Joe Biden's hypocrisy meter is way pegged to the right. Right. The other thing here requires political nonprofits to disclose donors. You know what that's about? That's about a party publishing, hey, you voted for Donald Trump or whatever the case may be. We're going to put your name out there. We're going to demonize you. Because we're going to dox you. Yes. Make sure that the, that the Antifa people know where you live. Exactly. And your boss knows how you voted. Exactly. And so that's why this is so dangerous. That's why people like Joe Manchin, Democrats like Joe Manchin, Christian Cinema. I understand that perhaps Senator Kelly from Arizona would not vote to get rid of the filibuster, and perhaps uh, Senator Tester from Montana. Those names have been floated out there. But Manchin is a sure. Yeah. He said it yesterday. Well, it's a very good point that you're making about how the country has changed. Because it used to be that 60-vote threshold with the filibuster was only, it, it was a wall that told senators from both political parties, if you want to try to do something radical, You've got to get past that filibuster. If you want to do something reasonable, we can all vote, and you'll get enough votes from our party to get it done. I mentioned infrastructure yesterday. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with fixing bridges and highways and getting high-speed Internet out into rural areas, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Okay? I think we should be shielding our power grids from the possibility of EMP weapons being used, all those kind of things. I think most people say that's a good way to, to spend the money that we're all pooling together yes. in Congress. Uh, but if you're going to try to go with radical proposals, that's what the filibuster is there for. In light of what you just shared and what um, uh, Senator Roger Wicker shared when he was in our offices uh, several years back, I'm kind of now more of a fan of the filibuster just simply for Because of where we are today. Yes. Yeah. All right, Chris, what else we got? Well, let's talk now uh, for a moment about some of the other things that Joe Biden had to say in uh, the great state of Georgia. And I say every state is great. Um, But uh, one of the things that he has long talked about is how this Georgia law denies food and water. It it prevents people from being uh, given food and water while they're standing in long lines waiting to vote. That has been labeled a outright lie. Basically, what it does is, is a political campaign can't give somebody food or water. It's got to be the precinct in which they're voting yeah, in and things you like can't, that. You can't bribe people while they're standing in line. Correct. That's, that's what the, these rules exist. Yes, and prevent. Mr. Uh, Separation of Church and State Joe Biden brought up the Bible as the reason why this is just a terrible thing in what was uh, his not-so-true statement, clip seven. When the Bible teaches us to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty, the new Georgia law actually makes it illegal 
Think of this. I mean, it's 2020. And now 22 going into that election. It makes it illegal to bring your neighbors, your fellow voters, food or water while they wait in line to vote. It gives me no pleasure to say this, but that was a lie. That, that was an absolute bald-faced lie. Yes. Let me read you. There's Governor Kemp yesterday. Governor Kemp clarified that a provision in the bill allows members of political parties to serve food to voters as long as they are further than 150 feet from the voting location. Right. All right. So for Joe Biden and to use scripture mm-hmm. to support his lie. That, that hypocrite. Well, he also went on to swear, which I did not include in the audio. So, Thank you. And you kind of think, well, you know, well, Donald Trump said things too. Yes, and we, we said you shouldn't say those words. So he, he told a lie. He used scripture to try to push his lie. And then he went on to swear. And people laughed. Listen, the, the, that rule about not giving water or food or gifts or holding up signs in front of, you know, uh, vote for X, Y, or candidate X, Y, or Z in front of the voting, pre, uh, the voting precinct, those have been rules and regulations in every state forever. And it's to stop people from going to those standing in line with a bunch of bags from McDonald's or Wendy's mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you're, you're hungry, you, you, here's, a, here's a, a, a soft drink or a bottle of water and hamburger and fries, vote for my candidate. Yeah, It's to keep people from being bribed and for him to lie. That is just a bald-faced lie. For him to lie and imply that we're going to make people starve yeah. Yeah. because we want these rules in place to protect the integrity of our elections, it has to be a lie. I mean, he knows good and well mm-hmm. that even in his own state of Delaware, that's the rule. Yeah. Yes. That's the law. Well, and that, that's a good point to pick up on that. The Georgia provisions that they're trying to put in place are more lax than Joe Biden's home state of Delaware. They have stricter voting rules in Delaware than what was going to happen in and Georgia. And the state of New York, yeah. Schumer's home state it's amazing you know and major league baseball they they didn't like what georgia did so they took the all-star game from atlanta and they put it in denver which had as tough or if not tougher voting policies uh than atlanta did what were you you sharing this morning in our uh story meeting for georgia uh, uh, for georgia uh fred about how how many how many days are open now for voting before an election 17 days Including weekends, right? Before election day. Yeah. That was never. You couldn't vote on a weekend. That was never the case. As far back as I can remember, since I've been voting, which started, uh, I was first able to vote in um, 76. Okay, 1976. You had one day. Yeah. That was election day. Show up or you don't vote. Show up or you don't vote. Yeah. All right. So 17 days to vote, including on weekends in the lead up to an election. I don't know how you can call that voter oppressive. Suppress- voter suppression. Voter suppression. Yeah. Well, I can tell you how you how you can say it. If you're just pandering and playing politics and out and out lying, wow. as the president did, and I'm sorry to say it, mm-hmm. and it's wrong if President Trump does it, it's wrong if Joe Biden does it, President Biden, you, a lie is a lie. Yeah. 
and Christians need to call it out. All right, folks, we're just getting wound up. <laughs> All right, we got more stuff coming up. Some some great sound from the uh, governor of Florida, Ron mm-hmm. DeSantis, and uh, you're listening to American Family Radio. This is today's issues. We'll take a couple minutes, two three minutes break, and we will be right back. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. Have you heard about the new Bible Museum in Washington, D.C.? Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I guess it's been open two or three years now, maybe a little longer, but it's one of the premier sites on our trip to Washington, D.C., our spiritual heritage tour in June and September, where we visit the Bible Museum and all the other sites that you are familiar with in Washington, D.C., including George Washington's Mount Vernon estate. We're also going to go on a separate trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. Those tours are back-to-back. If you want to go with us, we're going in June and September. We'd love to have you. Go to the website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Stephen McDowell, my dear friend, will be joining us. He's a historian and president of the Providence Foundation, and he's going to make our trip so much richer by adding commentary and telling us the stories of the people, places, and times. SpiritualHeritageTours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. You need a university you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. This fall, Liberty celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Text EXPLORE to the number 49596. That's EXPLORE to the 49596. Some good news in the war against critical race theory. The University of Memphis had come under fire for offering faculty members $3,000 if they infused critical race theory into their lesson plans. Critics say that amounted to a bribe. The Turning Point USA chapter took issue with the lessons and reached out to their student government leaders. But when the conservative kids got the cold shoulder, they reached out to the media. The reaction was fast and furious. Donors called the university, threatened to pull their funding, and the conservative students made the rounds on local conservative radio shows and TV shows. Long story short, the University of Memphis has now canceled the CRT lessons. You know, folks, when you take a stand, you really can make a difference. And not a single building in Memphis, Tennessee was burned down, and not a single business was looted. Well done, kids. I'm Todd Starnes. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, folks. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. I neglected to say during the uh, first segment of our show today that if you want to watch us do radio, and who wouldn't, <laughs> right? You can go to Facebook or YouTube and search for today's issues and click through, and you can watch us do that program. Also, if you're going to be traveling and you ordinarily listen to AFR on a terrestrial radio station, uh, and you uh, are going to be away from your favorite station and you want to still listen to us, you can do that by downloading the AFR app on your phone or other smart device and get a great signal. And anywhere you have a good signal, you can listen clear as a bell to American Family Radio. That includes overseas, if you're going overseas. Uh, also, if you uh, need to, you can go to AFR.net and you can stream the audio of American Family Radio uh, live on your computer. And uh, so a great way to continue to listen. You go from room to room. However many computers you have, you can listen to AFR. And uh, also you can go to AFR.net and get podcasts of your favorite programs or programs that you might have missed because you're out and about being a good person and a good mom and dad and a good student and a good citizen. You can still go back and listen to your pro the programs that you love and depend on to get information and news from a Christian perspective. All right, uh, we are going to introduce a guest here in just a moment. But first, Chris, we're going to listen to uh, a, uh, some comments from, well, tell our listeners who it is and what the context of it is. Yeah, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, gave what is called in many states kind of a state of the state address. It's where uh, the chief executive of a state comes out and talks about things similar to what a president of the United States does uh, early every year. Um, so here now, what you're going to hear is Governor Ron DeSantis kind of summing up his response to Biden's speech yesterday and just the various policies from Biden and Democrats in general. Clip 11. Florida has become the escape hatch for those chafing under authoritarian, arbitrary, and seemingly never-ending mandates and restrictions. Even today, across the nation, we see students denied an education due to reckless, politically motivated school closures, workers denied employment due to heavy-handed mandates, and Americans denied freedoms due to a coercive biomedical apparatus. These unprecedented policies have been as ineffective as they have been destructive. They are grounded more in blind adherence to Faucian declarations than they are in the constitutional traditions that are the foundation of free nations. Florida is a free state. <laughs> I love that. That's I had it's not so heard. hard to get a word out of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I had not heard parts. I had not not heard the speech. I have read some parts of it, but that that's some impressive speech writing and good delivery. Well, to help us uh, kind of make sense of some of the political things going on, and to maybe address uh, the comments made by President Biden or Governor DeSantis, we've asked 
One of our AFR favorites uh, to join us today, Alex McFarlane, who's co-host of Exploring the Word with uh, Reverend Bert Harper, heard weekdays at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Central Time on AFR. Alex, welcome back, brother. You know, I'm going to put it on my bio, an AFR favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you absolutely are. And uh, you do, listen, you do great work for the kingdom, brother. You, you do a lot of traveling. That is not easy, especially nowadays, as hard as it is to get flights and catch flights. Uh, you do a lot oh, of man. traveling to minister, preach the gospel, and share God's truth with uh, younger folks, older folks, but especially uh, younger folks. So we, we do appreciate you, Alex, and oh, praise you, the Lord. you do a great job on exploring the Word. You're a great writer, have a number of different uh, books. By the way, uh, you, you hadn't mentioned anything. Do you have a new book coming out, anything you're working on? Well, the most recent was, you know, back in the fall, Bird and I did our first book together, which is 100 Bible Questions and Answers from the First 10 Years of Exploring the Word. And um, the, the rollout of that book was in the AFA share that that book was a gift for people that support AFA. And it's 220-plus pages. It was published by Broad Street Publishers in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and... Uh, it's it's doing really well. In fact, an AFA listener was just in Chesapeake, Virginia, and texted me a picture that um, the book is in a Barnes and Noble up there. Wow! And so, uh, you know, Bert and I had a lot of fun that book, and um, I'm assuming it's probably in the AFA store, or if it isn't, it soon will be. But 100 Bible questions and answers is you know tough questions. We we didn't gloss over anything. Um, and, and by the way, let me just say this, talking about cancel culture, and one of the reasons that I know you guys were talking about Governor Ron DeSantis, um, you know, early on, young conservatives, millennial voters, really have expressed approval for DeSantis, which is really good. I mean, if he decides to pursue a run to the White House, one of the things that is much in his favor is he skews positive with younger voters because he has stood against cancel culture. And uh, let me just say, Bert and I did this book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and um, I I won't belabor this point, but a major Christian distributor, major, in fact, a certain distributor that is responsible for 30% of all the Christian books sold, said that they would buy an initial order of 10,000 copies if we would take out the four questions. In in our 100 questions book, there are four questions that deal with homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, should I attend a gay wedding, and does the church hate homosexuals? Now, uh, here, here were those four questions that are in the book. Um, it, and the way they're worded is, is very telling. Is homosexuality still considered a sin by the Bible. Okay, that was how that was worded. Then, uh, as a Christian, should I attend a gay wedding? And then, does the Bible speak about transgenderism? And then the final one was, don't homosexuals have a right not to be hated by the church? Now, you can imagine Bert and I answered those four questions in a very pastoral, biblically sound, but I would say godly, loving way. 
This book distributor says, take out those four questions, replace them within anything, doesn't matter, anything, just, we can't have those four questions, you've just sold 10,000 copies, Five thousand, actually $5,200 royalty in Bert's pocket and in my pocket, easy, and you might imagine Bert and I, it took us about three seconds to answer the question, we said no, you know, what what kind of host would we be if we omitted really the the four questions indicative of where the moral and spiritual battle rages? Mm-hmm. So, sorry to commandeer the conversation. No, listen, but, I, I had not heard that. I, I was when you were saying a major book uh, uh, distributor that that is responsible for distributing thirty percent of Christian books in this country wanted an initial order of ten thousand. I was I was going, yeah, I was I was clapping and 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 then you drop the hammer, uh, Alex. Yeah. That is so disappointing that well, a Christian it, it distributor is. would want you to uh, uh, to uh, be ashamed or to act ashamed of the truth of scripture that is that's reprehensible i know you have a reason for not uh uncovering who who the distributor is and i can understand that but uh that's that's reprehensible to to, well, to do that and and you know bird and i um my beloved co-host bird harper and my uh you know whenever bird and i are on the road sometimes wesley wildman helps us out sometimes jim stanley so um, they're a they're a part of our team as well, but um, you know, for a decade plus, Bert and I have come to the radio mic and we've told Christians stand strong for your faith, don't compromise. And so, you know, what kind of guys would we be if just because a publisher, um, you know, called us up and they said, you know, this will be the first of of many orders, we're sure, because this is a good book. Uh, but we said no. Not because we're trying to be, you know, hard shell or anything, but the thing is, um, we the church, we Christians, we individuals, we we have to lovingly but decisively stand for the truth, and, and we need to tell this world, look, here is what thus saith the Lord. And uh, so Bert and I were, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, being able to lovingly but soundly say no thanks to that order. Yeah. That was worth more than a few thousand dollars of royalty checks because we didn't do this. Bert and I, just for the record, for this 100 Questions book, we didn't get any money, didn't want any money. We did this because we're trying to equip people right. and save our nation. You know, Well, that $5,200 is the equivalent of 30 pieces of silver. Amen, in, in, brother. In, in, in my opinion. So, um, I, I, you know... Con- uh, Good for you and Bert. Uh, I, I, I would have, of course, been very disappointed to hear that you guys had compromised, as you would have if I had. Uh, yeah. We need more people like you and Bert to stand firm on the truth. This world is pat is passing away, and folks, you cannot deny the Lord. And please ask God for the courage and the boldness to speak the truth in love. Do not walk back what the Bible says about any issue, because this this country, this world needs the truth of the gospel. And Amen. good good on you, Alex, you and Bert, for standing uh, for the truth. Um, all right, so so tell me, uh, let me just say this uh, about you, Alex. You were one of the earliest people I can remember uh, who 
in the run-up to the 2016 election in 2015 as candidates were coming on board. You were the maybe the first person I remember saying, I like Donald Trump. And in fact, at that point, I wasn't sure about him and was leaning towards Ted Cruz. But, but you said there's something about this guy that uh, I think would be good for the nation. So having said that, what do you think about Ron DeSantis in light of the speech he made uh, and just in general? Wow. Um, great question. You know, it's interesting traveling uh, back in like 2014 and 15. And my dog is amening me. You can probably hear that. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm going to shut the door. Hang on one okay. second. Okay. All right. That's, that's okay. I, uh, love, I love live radio, radio folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, this is not only live radio, but this is, uh, the world of, uh, virtual hey, radio. You don't get this on NPR. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It never fails. Just as I sit down at the radio, my doorbell rings. And of course the dog goes apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's funny. I'm getting text from people saying we love Esther, the dog, Brother Dave Dabney, and everybody's reaching out to me. But here's the thing. I'm on the road speaking, and back in 2014 and then 2015, um, everywhere I was going, people were saying, yeah, what do you think about Donald Trump? You know, maybe he might run for president. And it's funny, in February of 2015, which is really early, we were in Nashville for the NRB convention, and I saw Pastor Robert Jeffers uh, at Dallas, and... Um, he said, hey, you know, Trump is going to run. Um, and we were talking and just, you know, I was, a, you know, leaning toward Cruz, you know. But the thing that I noticed over the fall of 2015, you know, I'm on the road like in a different church literally every weekend. In fact, I'll be at First Baptist Dallas Sunday night for, you know, Pro-Life Sunday. And we'll pray on the steps of the courthouse in Dallas. And if anybody's there... Um, anybody listening, join us. I would love to meet you when I'm in Dallas Sunday night. But I, I just, I told Tim Wildman one day, I said, hey, listen, um, I know conservatives are, you know, have some favorites, but everybody's talking about Trump. I'm like, everybody, there's a lot of buzz around this guy. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just have this gut feeling he's going to make it. And uh, it's funny I, I, Tim Wildman and I had a conversation, and he goes, you know, Alex, you, do you really think so? Because, I mean, like, most conservatives are not, you know, he's not really the, the favorite. I said, yeah, I know. And uh, I, I and I asked him, I said, hey, um, I'll hush up about this. I, I, I don't want it to cost me my radio gig. And <laughs> And he goes, no, no, you know. And of course, as we know, Donald Trump did become the candidate and became the president. Well, I, I, it may be way, way too early to prognosticate, but let me just say, everywhere I go, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about Ron DeSantis. And, um, you know, uh, the, let me just say the evangelical voting block is a very large, very dependable voting block. And... I'm in churches of all strata. Uh, this month alone, I was in Arizona. I'll be in Kansas. I'll be in Mississippi. I'll be in Dallas. So if my little random sample in the 30, 35 states a year in which I speak 
if that's indicative, I would say DeSantis at this point has more momentum than any other conservative candidate. That clip that we played uh, from the DeSantis State of the State address yesterday, a lot of people are saying, and and if, if you remember what we just played there, that 54 seconds, he was addressing a national mood. Right. Uh, more so, you know, he obviously he is delighted with the way things are going in Florida and the fact that AOC and other Democrats are also flocking to Florida yes. uh, for the freedom that people have there. Unmasked. Unmasked, yeah. exactly. So he's delighted about that. But also his remarks would lead one to at least speculate that he has some interest perhaps in national politics and perhaps running in, in 2024. But, you know, I, I, I think Governor DeSantis has tapped into what I believe is the mood of the country. And we talked earlier this week about the AP Nork poll, which basically is all bad news for Joe Biden. Right. In that, uh, basically, that poll showed that everything Biden is focusing on is not what the country is focusing on. Right. The country is focusing on recovering from the pandemic of 2020. Let's get out of this. Let's move on. I, I mentioned the Atlantic uh, Magazine article the other day that said vaccinated and done with it. Right. I think the country is done with the pandemic. They want mm -hmm. to get things back to normal. What Ron DeSantis has done, and in Florida, they kind of opened things up early on. Right. And it's almost like it's lancing this thing has been, that has been festering. And it's, it's kind of, it's a breath of fresh air. We can go there. Life is getting back to normal. Schools are opening again. I'm not saying Florida doesn't have some problems. Right. I'm sure they have some crime centers, perhaps Miami, those, you yeah. know, it's, it's not a perfect state. And immigration struggles. Yes. Immigration struggles, yes. But you know what? Yesterday, one of the things just to highlight is that in his State of the State address, he talked about he wants to bring a law in Florida with dealing with abortion, very similar to what uh, Mississippi yes. has, has brought forward and what the Supreme Court is going to rule on fairly shortly. So in the midst of all of this, He's, he is, I, I, I think, and I've said this, you know, some people, and this is just an observation. Some people have said, you know, and they want Donald Trump to run again in 2024. I, I, I think there may be some division in the conservative camp out there on that, on the wisdom of that. Right. Donald Trump, terrific candidate as far as public policy goes, what he did for this country, making it energy independent, and all of those things that he needs to be praised for. Right. His his character, his personality, rub some people the wrong way. And I've said DeSantis is kind of a polished Donald Trump. Uh, he is <laughs> yes. a he has the same policy objectives, but he goes about it in a a, a more diplomatic fashion. Let me put it that way. Now, DeSantis can be tough. Right. I'm not saying he's, he's mushy at all. No, he's not. But he has a way of articulating his point of view that perhaps those who didn't like Donald Trump's personality will say, he's got the same policies as Trump, but I just like the way he says it. So, uh, Alex, do you think uh, a, a candidate like Ron DeSantis might be more attractive to, let's say, independents who were instrumental in electing Donald Trump and then however you view the 2020 election 
whether it was legitimate or not. Sidestepping mm-hmm. that, uh, those independents put Joe Biden in the White House. What do you think the, the appeal of DeSantis would be to independents? Uh, I think he could be very, uh, shall we say, marketable. And Fred Fred really said it. And w- with all due respect to former President Trump, it, it's almost like DeSantis is a more polished uh, version, uh, less abrasive, um, saying, you know, conservative constitutional policies, policies that any and every conservative could be on board with, I believe, but not just the 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 rancor you know yeah and um you know people used to say trump will be trump um but it 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 does seem that desantis understands a little bit more about decorum and diplomacy shall we say yeah Mm. uh alex uh you you mentioned uh just this last question then we'll let you go you mentioned when you uh, first came on that uh millennials and younger uh, are seem to be uh, attractive to attracted to Ron DeSantis because he is against cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's surprising to me because it seems to me that younger people are have been more responsive to cancel culture because they are a lot of them. Uh, I have no idea what percentage, but they seem to be more woke. Uh, what what are you seeing that makes you think that uh, these younger uh, age groups are, are are attracted to someone who's opposed to cancel culture? Well, you, you know, the, so much rides on semantics. I mean, to hear the left tell it, you know, when the left uh, wants to squelch any voices of conservatism, they'll say, you know, well, we don't shame anybody and we don't tolerate hate. But the fact is, let's phrase it uh, 180 degrees the other direction. Young people don't like censorship. Young people don't like fascism. And the algorithms of social media, I mean, this is a fact that um, the social media platforms have done their utmost to squelch conservative voices. And uh, postings and tweets and things like that get taken down and people's accounts get suspended. And so I believe the vast majority of millennials and younger, that they are not this big, woke um, demographic. I mean, there, there are the woke, uh, angry, you know, um, young voices out there, but the vast majority, they value freedom. And that's why there was an article uh, back about late last spring, um, there was an article online talking about how many young people, and even if they don't self-identify as conservative, their views really lean conservative. Um, young you know, voters and potential young voters that at that point like DeSantis because he had spoken against, we could say cancel culture, it's really censorship. It's viewpoint discrimination. And young people they may agree or disagree, but they don't want to feel like they've been censored. And that's exactly what cancel culture does. Yeah. All right. Our guest has been Alex McFarland, co-host of Exploring the Word, heard weekdays at 3 p.m. Central Time on AFR. Alex co-hosts that with Bert Harper. Uh, Alex, um, what do you got cooking this week here in terms of, uh, of the show? What can... Folks who tune in, uh, you, you may not have a topic for today yet. I, yeah, I understand are, sometimes that's flexible, but 
Uh, we're going through the book of Proverbs, and we'll be in Proverbs 10 today. And um, hey, let me just say this, uh, two quick, quick things. Every summer, we do a worldview camp. And this summer, July 17th through 22nd, uh, Will and Miki Addison will be with me uh, just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, a week of camp. And our theme is Unashamed, Building Your Biblical Worldview. I've got space for 35 males, 35 females, middle school, high school. Uh, we're going to ride horses. We'll go fishing, paddle boarding, zip lines, all the fun camp stuff. But the Addisons and I will be spending a week teaching biblical worldview to your youth. Go to my newly redesigned website, alexmcfarland.com, for complete information. alexmcfarland.com. Alex, spell your last name for people who want to go to your website. Good old Scottish name, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D, McFarland, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. Uh, listen, that sounds like a dynamite camp. Uh, is there an age limit? Can I can I go? I mean, uh... oh man. Um, well, Ed, yes, you you may come, but we'll put you on stage and make you speak. But oh no no, you, I, it, I, 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 and I certainly you don't want me on the zip line. Uh, you know, if, unless you know you you want it to come down out of the trees. But uh, Will and Miki are that is a great choice. They're oh, fantastic. They, You're already yes. fantastic, folks. Go to alexmcfarland.com. I have it right. Uh, the website, yes. alexmcfarland.com. Yes. Get your young people signed up because that sounds like it's going to be a great week. All right, Alex, thank you, brother. God bless you all. God bless America. Amen. Please, Lord. Uh, all right, folks, we are going to take a five-minute break for news. And when we come back, we will finish this program with the remaining 25 minutes. Uh, Chris Woodward's been sitting here patiently with more news to bring you. Steve Jordahl is off today. We'll uh, keep Chris Woodward uh, in the saddle for that. So uh, a reminder, five-minute break for news. Return to the program you're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.